Support for this episode comes from Modern Football Technology. Modern Football Technology provides real-time opponent tendencies and self-scout while eliminating manual data entry into Huddle, DV Sport, and Exos. If you're tired of tools that are time-consuming to learn and perform inconsistently at best, then we recommend Modern Football for a fresh perspective. Schedule a demo today at teammofo.com to see a battle-tested tool that's proven to perform and deliver value. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use a coupon code CC10 to receive 10% off your first year. And listen to our recent episode featuring Folsom High School Defensive Coordinator Jordan Ersick to learn more about how the 2023 California State Champion uses modern football to dominate their opponents. And this is one of the reasons I would encourage everybody to try and find spray releases for everything you already do, because when you're attacking a defender's width and depth at the same time, it's very disorienting for him, especially to the wide field, because he intuitively knows I've got all this space out here that's being threatened. And I don't know exactly, you know, my traditional pedal zone turn cushion rules. They don't just, they don't feel the exact same. It's not a big deal, but it's enough of a deal. Part one of the episode with Andrew Coverdale was just full of takeaways. We'll be back at the end of the interview to talk to Josh and get his takeaways from this two-part series. I've been fortunate to coach many successful teams over the years, so I'm excited to tell you about Signature Championship Rings, a championship ring company who perfectly captures your winning season and fits your budget. Signature Champions specializes in fully customized rings for your high school and college teams, partnering with more than 10,000 teams across the country. What sets Signature Champions apart is the coach experience. The ring ordering process is streamlined and hassle-free with Signature Champions ensuring their coaches feel like MVPs every step of the way. Visit SignatureChampions.com podcast and get your team championship rings today. Use the code podcast to receive a free coach ring and ring box with your team's ring order. Link is in the show notes. And listen to our entire champion series presented by Signature Championship Rings to learn from state champion head coaches on how to take your program to the top. So we already brought up the Bunch Attack book. Let's talk Bunch for a second. I think Bunch has gotten so complex at the NFL level. If you watch the 49ers, which I know you do, I know I study, If you watch any, really anybody from the Shanahan McVay tree, the multiplicity of bunch, all the way they get in different sets, who's involved in the bunch, whether it's a tight end, a slot receiver, if it's somebody from the backfield, all the movement and shifting principles. I mean, I think that's something that's really changed where when I think a lot of people think bunch and you guys did a great job in the book all the way back then, 30 years ago of saying this is not just a formation, but still in a lot of people's mind, I know defensively, uh, my defensive coordinator friends, if it's bunch, well, that's it's a three receiver set, and the number two is on the ball, and you know the other two guys are off, and there's some distance between them that's not very large. It's more than that, and I think you guys talked about that in all the way back then. Is it's this mindset of multiple formations and being able to get in these constricted sets that cause defensive reaction. But now it is so far away how how does that still play into your offensive package 
what are things that you're seeing that are maybe different? Are there defensive innovations that, you know, have bothered you or made you rethink some of the things that you thought about back then? Let's just sort of open-ended, let's just talk about bunching press formations in the passing game. I think a lot of it has to do with how the rest of your offense looks. So an example I'll give is, I think if, for example, last year for us, duo had to become our number two run for a lot of different reasons, good and bad. And so I think the moment, you know, LSU in 2019 is a great example. There are others. The moment duo becomes, you know, part of your, your core running game, then you kind of have to build a lot of other stuff around it bunch-wise, not just play action, but just from a formation integrity standpoint. For me, I think that I would say a couple things. Anything that makes um, – I, I went through a conversation with my quarterbacks this spring where I called it GIs. And what I meant by that is – I think I heard somebody else use the term, and I, I just twisted a little bit for our own purposes. But I gave them specific things that we did formationally or movement-wise or cadence-wise to gather information. So what I mean by that is I think anything offensively where there – is a limit where you limit the defense's inventory. I just think that's really good. But so yeah, yeah. if people only have, you know, unbalanced falls into this, four by one can follow into this, fall into this, tempo can fall into this, certain kinds of motions, four strong can fall into this, stacks can fall into this. I think I said unbalanced. So there's any time you can formation of the boundary falls into this. So anytime you can limit their inventory and then have selected things that you pull out of that, out of your own stuff to go attack that inventory. I think that's good. I think that's helpful. I would say more defenses now have more than one check. The real good ones can play, can more or less play stuff out regardless of the call. But even then there's, so I I guess the, the point is, if my core running game is attached to it, I'm going to sort of kind of run everything through it and try to find excuses to run as much of our core stuff through it as I can. If not, then it becomes more a matter of, okay, what two or three things can I dictate based on, hey, they only box or they only lock and level or they always they always lock two and, and in and out one and three, you know. Where I do think a lot of the – where we can maybe, maybe – stay a little bit ahead of defenses is if they think a bunch is a bunch, then we need to use that to our advantage because a bunch with two tight ends or a fullback and a tight end or fullback and two tight ends is a lot different than a 10 personnel bunch, a bunch where, you know, a bunch where a certain dude is a bunch where your dude is the ISO as a point, as opposed to a bunch where your dude is the number one strong that's a whole different that's a whole different carton of eggs. And so if they treat it all the same, now the advantage is back to us. Um, so yeah, I don't have much other than other than to say other than the other thing I think, you know, I know we're gonna talk about <laughs> what what do I think everybody should be doing or what's something we're doing that everybody should be doing. I don't want to sound presumptuous, but I definitely think there is a one of my answers to that question will be. Take all, take the five routes that you have that are the best things that you do that you can do in your sleep and adjust, have a version of them that's compressed splits to where you just change your releases and run the same thing out of compressed splits 
and see if it dictates something out of the defense that is to your advantage. Uh, have a way of your five best routes to switch releases, you know, switch releases is another info gadget because usually people won't have three different ways that they play switch releases. So yes. anyway, I think it kind of falls into that category, but then I also think you have to kind of consider the, the run component of it and where it, it fits, whether you're a big time running team or not. Right. So good. And you think about, I mean, Sean McVay and the Rams and the amount of run information they can gather from the stuff that they do. And they clearly have a defined wing T-ish type system of yeah. answers yeah, based on right. those defensive responses. So, so good. Really, really good. As, as kind of as we go to that and talk about bunch, just what about trends that you're seeing that interest you in the game right now or offensively in the passing game or things you're seeing or where you think it's going? We kind of ask this question of every guest. Um, but I think you do a great job of research and just sort of what what it, maybe it's personal. What intrigues you? But kind of what what's out there on the horizon? You think and throwing the football. Uh, here's something I noticed when um, and this is a few years old, but I kind of continued to pursue this when the Eagles beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and I forget who broke it down. I didn't come up with this on my own, but I came to a conclusion on my own. They started in three by one with the back week and very, very late. The back ran bullet motion or whatever you call the, the lateral sprint motion. Mm. And it switched to four strong in a heartbeat. And it happened so fast that what was supposed to be a bracket on the ISO receiver, which was Zach Ertz, ceased to become a bracket because the Patriots couldn't get things communicated fast enough. And at that moment, I thought that, you know, we talk about, so we talk about tempo and Keith has probably done a better job than anybody of, of laying out the fact that, yes, there are some people like Rhett Lashley that are awesome at going tempo all the time, but by and large, more people are having more success mixing tempo the way a good pitcher changes speeds. And so the thought I had when I saw the way that all broke down in that Super Bowl, they ended up throwing a slant to Ertz, which ended up being a winning touchdown. Because partially because the bracket got eliminated and the corner was not able to readjust his leverage for the lack of help, et cetera. So my thought was the next big trend is going to be different tempos of motion. So in other words, you have a motion. And in general, I think faster is better, but there are times you want the quarterback to be able to assess what's happening as it's happening. Choice, You're better at the choice game than I am, but the, the choice runner, you put him on the move, he gets to see it. But then there's a time and a place for the motion to happen just super fast. Uh, and, it, and the more different it is than your normal motion, the better impact you're going to see. And so the next evolution of that was the escort motion that the Baltimore that Greg Roman brought into the league for the running game that then San Francisco has kind of taken and run with. So I think that part of how people, not just what the motion is, but how they're utilizing the tempo of it, and they're using a motion and then another motion as opposed to a true shift and making the first movement look like it's a motion because that triggers something. And then there's another motion. How are people deploying those to make a difference? We won a semifinal game a few years ago against just a really talented team. I did, We didn't play great offensively. I didn't call very well, but they were playing a lot of press man and we used some really fast motion where it's not like the short motion where you where you come in three steps and then square up. It was like 
we're sprinting in toward the ball until I see the ball move. Like I'm trying to get a two step head start on you to run, to get a, a step and a half on a crossing route where I couldn't ordinarily create my own separation. So that, that whole world is, is really interesting to me right now, maybe more so than any single run. Like, and like everybody else, I'm saying it in terms of the RPOs and, um, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, I'm also interested in, you know, everybody kind of has the guts of the Kyle Shanahan play action world. You know, the speed stems, the read stems, the heat game, all that stuff, the drift game. And so now you're seeing, so everybody's seen it, everybody's familiar with the picture. So now there's a next evolution. What is the next evolution? You know, like, for example, and I don't know all the reasons why. I don't want to act like I know the reasons why. But in the playoff game against Seattle, Kyle Shanahan ran a lot of his greatest hits off of play action. But instead of it being a deep over, he was running true 15-yard in routes to the aggressive Kittle and other guys. Why did he do that? That's what I mean. Yeah, really interesting questions. And you know, I mean, these are guys that have unlimited time and are studying their own stuff and have self-scout. And, and there's definitely a reason why they do things that maybe the fan doesn't see uh, for sure. Yeah. But there's a, there's a reason why those things are happening. And so a guy that's really good at, at game planning, if you could study those guys, we talked about that, that with some other guests, but seeing the evolution of these guys as they call games throughout a season is something – that sometimes I think we as high school coordinators, we're so worried about, you know, self-scouting our own stuff or looking at defensive reactions. Sometimes it helps to find another like-minded high school team and yeah. study that guy. How did he evolve throughout the season? What did he do to protect things? And, and it's easy to do that with NFL film because we have resources like Game Pass and these other things, but it, it can help to study fellow high school coordinators too. That's a really good point. So I think you've expanded quite a bit through the years, kind of your empty package and how much you're in empty looks, regardless of personnel. Is that conscious related to personnel or what you're seeing defensively, kind of all of the above? Or am I wrong in that, that you've expanded more empty over the years? No, I don't think you're wrong. I think a lot of it has, some of it has to do with, with protection decisions and protection gotcha. conversations. We certainly still do some six-man protection, but there was a point in the last four or five years at Trinity, it probably, probably corresponded with Rondell Moore being there, to where <laughs> five-man became our starting point as opposed to true half-slide, half half-man. And conceptually, we teach everything as though it could be anything. So what I mean by that is, and I don't think you're any different than this. I don't think I'm unique in this, but the way we teach it, we don't necessarily teach it a route as an empty concept per se. Now, obviously, if we're doing five verticals, that's an empty concept. But but everything we teach has rules baked into it to where the back can participate as the fifth out from the backfield if the protection allows it, or he can be in a detached position and he can participate that way, or we can sub for him. So teaching it doesn't really add anything. It's just a matter of whether I think empty is going to get me what I want for that route. And some some weeks it may be a lot, and some weeks it may not be a lot. But I do think starting with five-man protection and then adding pieces back to it, as opposed to starting to six and trying to lighten our load, has been beneficial for us. Now, I may change that at some point, but that's been beneficial for us. There was a game, I mentioned Rondell Moore, 
there was a game in 2018 where our, we were trying to have a true balance. Like I always like to have run, play, action, mix as a personnel group. And Cincinnati Muller was just shoving it up our nose. And the only matchups we had is when we just went five out and we just got, we couldn't hold up in protection. It just so happened that their deal in that game, they had a very specific empty identity, which was they were going to bring six. And we were fortunate to get the, get matchups and get the ball out and make a ton of yards to the one kid we had that they couldn't deal with. And so that thinking, you know, helped probably propel us more into empty that year. And I do think because we didn't have Rondell after that, but it, we we saw the leverage that, that could be afforded. I think the more, you know, empty, it's sort of like one of those GIs or IGs, info gathers. I was telling you about it. The more specific and limited defenses, the more it frees me up to be in it, as opposed to, I do think the better, I think more and more defensive coordinators can kind of play everything out because he's not a novelty anymore, but I like it. Now, I also think your quarterback has a lot to do with that. The kid we had in 2018 processing was his gig. There were throws he maybe didn't have, but he could see it and process and empty really cleaned up the picture for him for sure. Yeah, that's really good. I think it's there's the you've got to have when you're dealing with these protection answers, which is so much of the it's so fun when you're 22, 23, 24 years old and you're just drawing up cool pass plays and then you become a coordinator and you realize the protection piece is what the deal really is. And and in my experience, at least with the guys that we've we've seen in Georgia, uh, you know, D linemen are it's unreal the the jump some of them made not just in athleticism but how good a job defensive coaches are doing with pass rush moves and and things like that and so being able like you talked about earlier being able to get the ball out and try and create explosives while getting the ball out is really the name of the game for a lot of this stuff and the names that keep coming up that we keep bringing up I think even in the NFL some of those guys are they've got their deep play action stuff and max protection stuff. But if you watch a guy like Shanahan or these guys, they're throwing stuff. There are answers to get the ball out pretty quickly out of that guy's hands. So I think some of the interesting evolution is, and when Bobby Peters was on, you mentioned Bobby, we talked about it is just some of the underneath check down type routes that those guys are working where, whether it's jerk routes or, you know, loop China trail, whatever term you want to use, those sort of things are interesting to me just because you're able to get the ball out still relatively quickly to a guy on the run and allow him to move and make plays and empty certainly allows for some of that. I think that's, that's a great point. Great point. So you mentioned, you already mentioned something we should be doing. Do you have, uh, I I don't want to put you on the spot. You already gave us great, great stuff, but anything we should be running, maybe it's a play. So you, you mentioned the five routes that are best and either switch release or compress sets. That's phenomenal. I absolutely love that. I wish more guys would do that and think that way. There have been years that I look back and are like, why? It's so simple. Why didn't we do that? So is there a pass play you've got you want to give us that we should be running, that we can do a quick five-minute install on? I have one thought that I think is I, – I would well, so I would say, just to expand on that, I would say okay. within the passes you already run that you're already good at, try to figure out a way to bunch them, try to figure out a way to switch them, Try to figure out some version of a fast motion that distracts the eyes of a defender you're trying to control. And that can be from anyone anywhere. Try to, if it is a, um, try to see if there's a way to get to it from four by one, because four by one is another great 
you know, info gatherer. There's there's a limited. So this kind of circles all the way back to our first conversation. I never do enough of this. I always go into every season saying I need to do more of. Yes, four strong from the backfield for sure, but just detach four guys and see what and have have the ability to throw your core routes out of that because the wide field does give us a better opportunity to exploit some of that. You know, the only thing I would say is don't give up on the route that seems impossible. I think we've discovered the last two years, and we've had 2020 and 21, I had an exceptional quarterback who's at Yale now and is probably significantly under-recruited. And then we, we have a couple good ones in the pipeline right now. The wide field speed out, as simple and dirt dumb as it sounds. We did it more off a compressed split last year. We're going to go back to doing it some out of a normal split this year. Really out of the compressed split, it's awesome because the thing you notice as a defender, of course, they're going to play outside leverage initially, but there is a disorient. And this is one of the reasons I would encourage everybody to try and find spray releases for everything you already do, because when you're attacking a defender's width and depth at the same time, it's very disorienting for him, especially to the wide field, because he intuitively knows I've got all this space out here that's being threatened. And I don't know exactly, you know, my traditional pedal zone turn cushion rules. They don't just they don't feel the exact same. It's not a big deal, but it's enough of a deal. And so really the only thing is we did a study, especially of the Saints and their their out game, whether it was a spray release or not, is really the only thing that stops it is is a square shouldered corner at the top, you know, kind of like Dub Maddox's hip turn analysis, which was really helpful for me. If he's zone turned, he's not going to stop that route in a million years. If he's man turned, he better be pretty dynamic and pretty special from a from a change of direction standpoint. But only the only the square shoulder, if you can get. Now it takes some work, but I'm just telling you, you don't have to have a rifle to do it. You know, my my sophomore junior to be who his, his arm talent, his arm strength has grown a lot through sheer hard work. But even as a sophomore, we made that throw a couple times with him, and he doesn't have what you would call a cannon. You just got to convince him to throw it off the plant step and, and how to get your target line figured out. But it, it, it's going to have some air on it and that's okay. But at the high school level, it's a pain because the other guy that has a real problem with it is that overhang defender. It's just a lot of space where you got to be on the exact right path to really defend it. Uh, now I, I realize it's high risk, but it is, it's an explosive play potential or at least, a get out of jail on third and 12 potential. It takes some work and you're not going to do it with everybody. But I, I just have actually discovered it's doable. And again, I, my quarterback from 2021 was really special, but he wasn't special because he had an R, he had a howitzer. I think it's more doable than a lot of guys might think, I guess would be something that right. I would say. That's that is it's a route that's in hibernation that needs to be brought back. It's it's a great route. It was good for a long time, and for whatever reason, people have kind of replaced it with deep stop routes and you know DC type choice type stuff. But those throws are just as long and maybe not even as forgiving. I think sometimes you know you're throwing a ball. Yeah, that's right. High school hash outside that's the right. numbers on a comeback. So yeah, that's a great one. That's that's really good. That also fits into the switch release discussion. If you have guys in a little bit of a wider bunch, it fits into the switch release discussion perfectly. 
Yeah, that's good. And also something you can run to a single receiver from two by yeah. two, from bunch three by one. And, you know, that's that's yeah. been brought back a little bit. I think the Jaguars and watching some of their film like three by one bunch, the old Olay or various things people call it, where you've got to speed out a deep corner over the top and the little sort of, you know, hinge option sort of inside route. That's coming back a little bit in the NFL. So that's that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Very cool. yeah. Very good. Okay. So there's so much stuff. I wish I could talk to you for, we want to be conscious of your time. We could talk for three or four hours. This is so, so good. We've had high level ball talk, technical stuff. I think we've had something for everybody. And now we've really got to have something for everybody. We're going to go to what we end every show with. And everybody wants to know, Coach Coverdale, what, uh, what do you wear on your head during a game or nothing at all? What do you, what, what's your deal with that in a game? Well, it's possible that somewhere in my ancestry there's a cephalopod because uh, <laughs> my head is a size eight and a quarter or something like that. It doesn't have anything to do with common sense or IQ, but I don't, the one size fits all things an issue. So it has to be a flex fit type thing. A lot of the visors, the little Velcro won't reach. It's really humiliating. <laughs> um, I do, if it's hot, I, I have a visor too that does stretch out. I'll wear that during practice, but on on game nights, it's usually a flex fit hat, which is truly the only choice gotcha. for me. Not not the only choice for humanity, but like, you know, <laughs> in terms of uh, circumference equals two pi r or whatever, that's that's the only choice I got. All right. I, the, the hat question doesn't it, it interests some of our listeners. That doesn't interest me at all. I don't have any hair left. So the hat thing doesn't really I'm going to wear a hat. But the drink does. What's your pregame drink or drink during the game? What kind of gets you ready? So um, we had uh, the guy that was my was counterpart at Trinity for a couple of years, a really good guy named Brian Smith. He started bringing those spark packets in. I don't know if you know, it's, it's, uh, right, yeah. I don't know who makes it. Anyway, it's a B12. It's an energy type thing. It's B12. It's got some caffeine, but I always felt like, I always felt like my, it, it really kind of cleared my mind. Usually I'm I'm not great about I'm not the guy who's got my call sheet done Thursday night. I'm usually slogging through it during my press series on Friday. So I usually haven't gotten enough sleep. So the spark really helped me kind of snap, snap awake. I mean, normally I'm normally I'm coffee kind of 24-7, but on game day it'll be a spark pregame and then I usually got a Diet Coke or something in the press box. Now, unrelated but slightly related, I am wondering, I talked to our I talked to our strength coach about the hot, cold shower before a game, and does that clear your head? Does an ice bath help you think more clearly and see more clearly? So uh, anyway, uh, I'm interested in all those things as far as uh, helping me uh, mend my broken relationship with sleep. <laughs> right. That That is interesting. I would love to know those answers. That's good. Coach, so, so happy you were on. It's a big deal for me. It's a big deal for the show. We really appreciate you. There's, there's so much good stuff there. Also, for you listeners, two guys, two, uh, two AP history, social studies guys. So not everybody's a PE teacher out there. So keep that in mind. <laughs> you, you don't have to roll the ball out there. You can be a classroom guy, too. You can lecture on a Friday and still call ball plays. It can happen. It's not easy, uh, but it can happen. So, Strange but uh, true. So thanks so much, Coach. Uh, appreciate you. Anything we can do for you, uh, uh, just let us know. And uh, uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, me too. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Josh. 
There's almost too many takeaways to list here, but as we do every week, I make you boil it down to three so we can crystallize some of this for ourselves. So what are the three takeaways you have for us this week, Josh? Yeah, I filled up a notepad with this one, uh, no doubt, but three really good things. If I had to have somebody that had no idea who Andrew was and, and had never studied any of his stuff, I think three of the ideas, this would apply to him in, in overall, and it would help any coach. So the first one is he talks about having a second layer of rhythm in your passing game. And what, what he's saying by that is he's talking about having the ability for a quarterback to get backside and to never – have a situation where when you walk under center pre-snap, you just completely take away half the field without at least having some sort of thought process for doing so. So I think that's a really good lesson for any coach. It's really good. We talk about it in the, in the context of spacing, but really good idea. I think the second thing, this is one for me is a big deal now. I've been calling plays, you know, 14, 15 years. He talks about having GIs or gathering information, or you could call it IGs, information gatherers in your formational system. And what that basically means is you want to get in formations that do two things. They allow the quarterback to very quickly gather information about defensive intention, but also you want to limit the defensive inventory of responses. And so if you think about things like Andrew talked about unbalanced, he talked about quads and empty sets and tempo and gives various examples of things that you can do as a coordinator very quickly, not only to help your quarterback, but to know there's only a couple ways a defense can respond. So I thought that was really, really good. Another takeaway, kind of the third ter- takeaway, and this is something that I'll, I'm immediately already thinking about uh, as soon as you know the podcast was over, what were some things we could do in our own offense with this. But he talks about take your five best pass plays, whatever they might be, Within your system, take your five best pass, pass plays and find a way to either change those pass plays into a compressed set or to figure out a way to switch release it. And, and by doing that, you just you expand the volume of your offense instantly and you make things really hard for defenses to match and deal with, but you keep it simple for your kids. So I think that's a really practical, really good idea to do just when you're doing your self-scout and evaluation about what you're going to do next season. Josh, great takeaways there. That had to be a tough task to to boil that down, but I agree that's something that everybody can apply. You're doing a great job with this series. I want to make sure we mention your resources as we do every week. I think Josh does a great job with all the things that he's put together on Coach 2. Be sure to check the links for his resources, and Andrew Coverdale has some resources there as well. So be sure to go to Coach 2, and the links there, again, are in our show notes. Josh, thank you again for all you're doing with this series. I know coaches have been enjoying it. I've been enjoying it myself and filling up notebooks, so uh, I know others are out there as well. Thanks, Keith. Enjoying it.